Our first speaker has been everywhere in the past fortnight. Uh, television, including on the ABC 7.30 last week and Channel 9's A Current Affair last night. She's been in the print media, she's been on radio everywhere in the last fortnight. She's an Alice Springs town councillor and I'm pleased to say she's also a research associate at the Centre for Independent Studies. Ladies and gentlemen, Jacinta Price. Thank you, Tom, uh, and thank you, everyone. I'll try to do as much as I can in five minutes. Um, <laughs> 26th of January, 1788. Why should we keep the date? Well, firstly, 1788, 26th of January, was the day white Australians, well, white Australians, the British, came to this country and came and made contact with the First Nations people, Aboriginal people of this country. Uh, for me, this is significant for me personally because my mother is a Warburi woman, my father is a white Australian man, and I consider myself a product of reconciliation of this country. If the 26th of January 1788 had not occurred, well, I wouldn't stand here in front of you. I would simply not exist. The argument that has been put forward is that this particular day marks the day that genocide um, began in this country, that colonisation began in this country, dispossession of land began in this country. And while much of this is true, I do not believe that ignoring such a significant date in our history helps us to any way recognise our history in its entirety and help us to move forward from this date. Much of what occurred in our country's history occurred after this date, the, the decades that followed. And this is what I think we need to definitely recognise. One, one issue that has come forward, which I think is positive from the debate around uh, change the date, is the fact that we as Australians don't know enough of our country's history and that we do need to learn more of our country's history in its entirety. So the massacres took place following this particular date. One massacre which is very close to home for me and my family is the Coniston Massacre which took place in 1928. My grandfather was an adolescent when this massacre occurred and he had fled from where the killings were taking place. I have family members who have told me about escaping, uh, how they escaped and how they are survivors of this particular massacre. Two generations ago, this occurred in my family. Now, after 75 years, we held a commemorative ceremony for this particular massacre. And my family wanted to invite the descendants of those who killed our family, who included both white uh, and as well as native policemen. Now, in fact, one of the most brutal killers of our family members was a native policeman, an Arunda man by the name of Paddy Tracker. He had been known to tie up and rape our women before murdering them, and he was also known for brutally killing children. So we recognise this in our history, but we do not hold the Aranda nation responsible for what happened. In fact, there are many Aranda who are our family. So why should we hold the rest of white Australia responsible for what occurred all those years ago that they have nothing in fact to do with. Just like uh, the Arunda are our family, 
White people are my family as well. We are all Australians. So we invited the descendants uh, who killed our people to this commemorative ceremony. Now, not all of them could make it. One did, but we stood with her. She was held and embraced. Our old people cried on her shoulder and told her that we do not hold you responsible for literally what your grandfather did to our people. But we want to recognise that these were really tough times in our history. But we want to move forward together and we want to do it with you as Australians, as one people. The act of forgiveness is what our family chose to move forward with. And in my view, I believe this to be uh, the best act of reconciliation, the deepest act of reconciliation that has occurred in this country. And yet again, not many Australians know about this because we don't know about our country's history. We don't know about the relationships that were formed in love between white Australians and Aboriginal Australians, or in fact, people of ethnic backgrounds, different ethnic backgrounds and Aboriginal people in this country. We don't know enough about that. But we need to know, we need to learn, just as we need to learn about the atrocities that took place within our nation's history. We need to take the good and the bad. As individuals, there are parts of our own personal history that are bad. There are things that we have done as individuals that are bad. There are also things that we have done as individuals that are good. But in order to fully accept ourselves as who we are as human beings, we need to take the good and the bad with us. As a nation, we need to do that. We need to recognise the good and the bad and to move forward together as a unified nation, starting with the most significant date in our history, which is January 26, 1788, which I might also add in 1949 was the date we all became Australian citizens as well as British subjects. Hence why we have citizenship ceremonies on this particular day. And we must not forget the over 300,000 migrants who themselves became citizens on this day. We are all together in this. We're a mixed bag, but the only way that we can improve the lives of the most marginalised and the lives of general everyday Australians is if we in fact do this together as one. And I believe we can do so and still maintain Australia Day on the 26th of January. So thank you. Our next speaker is an academic and commentator of Indigenous Affairs. Uh, he appears uh, frequently in the Daily Telegraph newspaper um, and uh, also the Spectator magazine, which I used to edit. Uh, and also he's been affiliated with Australian Catholic University and the University of Western Sydney and of course, the Centre for Independent Studies. Ladies and gentlemen, Anthony Dillon. CIS and, and my fellow panellists, um, you want to do the booing and hissing? Now's the time to get it out. And I can get on my feet. Okay, look, I'm here to talk about, I'm going to get a, a psychological perspective here. Um, first of all, if we want to change the day because it, there's a better day that reflects history, that's fine. I, I'm all for that. But when people say, oh, we changed that, we should change the day because the current day is hurting people and people are hurt by it, no, they're not. I'm not denying that people aren't hurt. They may be hurt, but it's not caused by the date. Now let me explain this. Um, if I tell a joke, a joke that's considered crude, there'll be some people here that will laugh, there'll be some people who take offence. 
the joke doesn't go out and decide which ones are going to be offended. It's people make that choice themselves. The joke itself has no power. People make choices. Offense is always taken. And let me tell you how this starts. Imagine you've got a, a young child in the supermarket with its mother. Starts crying, I want a lolly, I want a lolly. Mother says no, cries louder. Mother gives in, gives the lolly. The child knows next time what to do. Be upset and I'll get the lolly. Uh, the alternative strategy is what I do with my child. She'd cry and say, darling, is that the loudest you can cry? Cry louder for me. <laughs> she very quickly learned being upset, being offended wasn't going to work with me. Uh, let me extend that a bit further. Child grows up, you have a man, uh, he's been questioned about his whereabouts by his girlfriend. He gets angry and he says, you make me upset. No, she doesn't cause him to be upset. Being upset is simply just a strategy he has learnt to shut up his partner, to get his own way. We do choose offence, we do choose to be upset, all for the sake of getting something to happen. And so it is with this Australia Day debate. Yes, there are people who are offended, upset, but it's done to achieve a purpose. It gets attention. Uh, to be offended is to feel important. And also, it's a great big distraction from the issues that have already been discussed here, but those serious issues, violence, um, kids not being in school, unemployment, child abuse, all that sort of thing. It's a huge distraction. And people like to play the offence game in, on Australia Day and the lead up to it because it's a nice convenient distraction from those problems which we don't really feel comfortable talking about. Now we know, uh, just to reinforce, reinforce my point, there are many, many Aboriginal people who just get on with Australia Day. They have a, a great time. They're not offended by it, so therefore the day is not causing offence. It doesn't travel through the air and offend some people and not offend others. It is a choice. And as I said, I'll, I'll repeat this again. To be offended is done for a purpose, and that purpose is it brings attention. It displaces responsibility. You're no longer responsible. Well, I, I, I screwed up. I did bad because this nation are still celebrating Australia Day on the 26th of January. It's a nice, convenient excuse. That's nonsense. Um, I'll just summarise by saying, yeah, if, we go, if we are going to change the date, and it probably will be changed, let's do it for the right reason. Because if we do it for the wrong reason of, oh, well, it, it's hurtful, it, it upsets some Aboriginal people, we then know that next time they want something, just be upset, be offended, uh, you know, where will it end? We've had the apology, the, the Prime Minister's apology, that was supposed to bring all this healing. It never happened. All it does was bring a short flash of pleasure to people, some, some warm, fuzzy feelings just, just for a, a few seconds. Uh, next day, everything was back to normal. What else is uh, bugging me about this um, change to date is we have those people saying, you know, they give the analogy, if you know, someone come and murdered your parents, took your house, blah, 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 etc. Um, not a very good analogy because we're talking about things that happened generations ago and we are never ever victims of the past but only ever victims of our view of the past, which indeed many thousands of Aboriginal people have demonstrated. So I think by leaving the date as it is, it demonstrates that Aboriginal people are a strong, powerful uh, group of people. And when we do that, we can, then can get on with the business of fixing the real problems. Having said all that, if the date just does change, uh, and it turns out that people are happy and they're, they're no longer suffering or being oppressed on that day and they're not complaining about something else, 
I'll be the first to say I was wrong and I'm glad it was changed. But if we do have that change um, and people are still whinging, moaning, groaning, the whinging ninjas are still out there going on about something, I'll then say, okay, we've tried it. Can we move on to something else? Can we start addressing those problems? Which as a nation, you know, I think we are all concerned, very much concerned about that. At this stage, I am very concerned though that white Australia, they have this enormous amount of goodwill, but it is slowly being drained. Okay? I think the goodwill will be there for a while, but I think if we keep going down this path of this upsets them, this offends them, this needs to be changed, that needs, we need this symbolic gesture, the goodwill will be slowly drained, and I would hate to see that happen because there's enormous, an enormous amount of goodwill there at present. Thank you. Anthony, thank you. Um, our next speaker is an Aboriginal elder um, who was raised on the Irambi Aboriginal Reserves. Uh, she uh, was educated at Harvard University and among other things, she serves on the City of Sydney's advisory panel. Ladies and gentlemen, Norma Ingram. I said to you in my language um, uh, of my mother and my mother's mother, um, hello, I'm Norma Ingram. Uh, the Galley River, the Lachlan River, that's where my mother's mother's country is. It's, anybody knows Cowra? It's over the Blue Mountains. Um, but I've lived in this country, in Gadigal country, which I respect and acknowledge. I've lived on Gadigal country for many, many years. Um, as a matter of fact, since I, was, um, since I was a child and I've had my children and raised my children uh, here. But I was born on that Aboriginal reserve, as was mentioned in Rambi, um, and I lived under the Aboriginal Welfare Act. But I'm so proud that I belong to the longest continuous practice culture in the world. I'm so proud that I can confidently say that. And we are on the oldest continent on earth. Um, I said to you hello in my language because whilst I and my parents and my grandparents were on the Aboriginal Reserve under the Aboriginal Protection Act and under the Aboriginal Welfare Act, it was forbidden for us to speak our language. It was forbidden for us to practice our culture. Um, where some of us got a, an exemption certificate, for example, from the state government, and every, every state was, was the same practice. And, and so we got that exemption certificate that exempted you from being an Aboriginal. It exempted you from being under the Aboriginal Welfare Act. You could then freely go to town try get a job, you're not going to get one, but um, you can freely send your children to school and you can freely live as a white, white person uh, in the town. If you didn't have that, you were forced to live on the Aboriginal Reserve. Now people said, why didn't you walk off that reserve? And I said, well, that's where my family is. That's my mother's mother's country. This is, um, you know, Mother Earth that we re pay respect to. This is Mother Earth, um, Wayanga Mayu, um, that we constantly do our dances and our songs and our artwork to respect this ancient, ancient culture and the ancient, ancient people that goes back over 60,000 years. For me, that's a Western constraint anyway, but for we, we say we go back to the, to the dream time and we look after country. 1788, 
was when the ships came in from Great Britain. And this country, if you look, call it founded, was founded on a lie. Concept of terra nullius. They said there are no human beings that lived on this country, which allowed them then to take our land. Did you know a lot of the landowners out there were given land for every Aboriginal head they bought in? They killed off Pemelwoy, chopped his head off, pickled it in a jar and sent it over to England and said, this is how we treat Aboriginal people who don't do what we tell them to do. My ancestor, Windradine of the Bathurst, of the Wiradjuri, they killed him off because they fought against tyranny that the government brought with them. They did not acknowledge, they did not recognise, and quite frankly I, I think it's still there that they don't even acknowledge self-determination that we want to do for ourselves and our communities and our families because they're so patronising and they say, you poor little Aboriginal people, you can't run your own show, you can't run your own communities, um, yeah, so we will do it all for you. They took away our children put them into institutions, separated them from their families, communities, siblings. The boys were sent up to Kempsey, the girls were sent down to Cootamundra and the babies were sent down to Bomaderry, um, down in Nowra. And this happened since the 1800s. And quite frankly, it's still happening today. 1967, we had to go to the public of Australia and say, hey guys, please can you vote yes to count us in the Australian census. And people who voted for us to be counted in the Australian census were people whose family, and, and indeed if they came here and were Australian citizens and could vote in 1967, we had to ask your permission. Please, <coughs> please go and vote for us to be part of this country. 1967 was the first time we as Aboriginal people in this country was counted in the Australian census. And then the responsibility, which is, was the other um, part of that, was the responsibility goes over to the Commonwealth Government. There are lots of dollars, certainly, that goes into Aboriginal affairs, and, and indeed it's an industry. I think there are more white people, non-Aboriginal people, who work in Aboriginal affairs than there are to, to give that um, service and, and funding to Aboriginal communities. Yes, I vote that we change the date because I don't want to celebrate um, the annihilation, the murder um, in the massacres out here at Nepean where they just pushed them over. I don't want to celebrate that. And for years and years, as a matter of fact, since we set up Survival Day, which is now Yarbin in Victoria Park, that's where I've gone every year since the 1980s. And I will continue to go there because despite the attempted annihilation of our people and our culture, despite it, we are still there celebrating as who we are and our culture. And yes, I'm allowed to, and I'm now able to say to you, Yama Dumarang, Yama. Hello, Yama, it means I see you. Um, you know, and I'm sure Barbara says Yama too, this lovely Aboriginal lady here in her um, country. But that's it. Um, I, I just believe that we need to change the date, but I'm not going to tell you what the date is because 1994 
was the first time in any case that Australian states came together to celebrate Australia Day. Thank you. Uh, look, I reject the view um, that we should reject the push to change Australia Day as some sort of PC virtue signalling exercise or imposing a black armband view of um, our history on the nation because of many of the reasons that uh, Norma said. However, I also think that focusing on that theme also carries the risk of um, almost trivialising what I think is really at stake. So my position on our complex history that I want to sketch today involves three points. One is that changing the date will perpetuate the flawed kind of thinking about trying to fix history that has informed the flawed approach, flawed national approach to Indigenous affairs for decades. The second thing is that apologising for past injustices has created present injustices. And the third is that understanding the real causes of contemporary Indigenous gaps and suffering requires more than simply finding new ways, such as shifting Australia Day, to say sorry for the colonial past. Supporters of a new date have argued that we need to tell the truth about Australia's Indigenous history, and I agree with that. However, the idea that we deny the tragedy of our history is outdated. Our public rituals, ubiquitous welcome to countries, plus the highest law of the land, the High Court's uh, native title, Mabo native title decision, both acknowledge the incontrovertible founding truths of our national existence. The notion of a great Australian silence about Invasion Day is simply not true, given the national awareness of the realities of colonial dispossession and the consequent destruction of Aboriginal society. Still, the Change the Day does argue that we need a new national day to raise awareness of the ongoing legacy of oppression and, and exclusion. This claim is that there is an unbroken historical chain of racism and disadvantage that dates from 1788, which accounts for Indigenous Australians continuing to be denied the fair go of the Australian dream. However, this idea, this rhetoric, is also outdated. These days, 80% of Indigenous Australians who mostly live in southeast metropolitan Australia have the same employment, health, housing and other social outcomes as their non-Indigenous peers. The remaining 20% of Indigenous Australians who suffer well-known social problems and gaps live mainly in rural and remote areas. These are the government-supported homeland communities which were established in the 1970s under the policy of Aboriginal determination, Aboriginal self-determination a policy that was specifically designed to address the legacies of colonial and colonialism and dispossession by enabling Indigenous people to return to their traditional lands and live in traditional ways. It is this separatist experiment that has in practice excluded the minority of Indigenous Australians from full participation in the freedoms and opportunities of mainstream Australian life. Contemporary Indigenous disadvantage is therefore not caused by the nation having done too little to try and right the wrongs of the past as the change the data's claim. It is actually being caused by the policy specially designed to try and make up for the founding sins of Australian history. Now my understanding of how trying to make up for the past has made things worse today has been shaped by the work I've done on Indigenous child protection. In the name of addressing the legacy of the stolen generation, many Indigenous children are left with dysfunctional families today. Or if they are removed, they are then placed back with kinship carers in the same communities in homes that are little better than those they were supposedly rescued from. The official rationale for this separatist regime is that Indigenous children need to live with their kin on country to have continuous contact with traditional culture to maintain their Indigenous identity. This is not the full story. 
Why do Indigenous organisations and activists actively campaign loudly for the retention of Indigenous-specific child protection policies that disadvantage Indigenous children? Because tragically, if all the children who would benefit from removal into mainstream communities were removed, they would be extremely unlikely to return to the homelands to live as adults. This would jeopardise the long-term future of the entire separatist experiment and the futures of the taxpayer-funded Indigenous organisations that provide Aboriginal-controlled services to the homeland communities in the name of self-determination. In the long term, this would affect many of those who work in the Indigenous in those Indigenous organisations, many of whom are Indigenous, as well as Norma said as being white, but who also enjoy all of the benefits and opportunities of mainstream Australian life, but who don't live on country and have little contact with traditional culture, but without anybody questioning their or their children's Indigenous identity. Reckoning with the full truth of all our history forces us to confront the paradox identified by Peter Sutton in his great book, The Politics of Suffering. Sutton explains why Indigenous disadvantage cannot simply be blamed on the legacy of colonial dispossession, because the worst disadvantage exists in the homelands that have been least touched by the colonisation process and most touched by the policies of self-determination, and where people have continued to live closest to a traditional manner on their traditional lands. The truths of our history are far more complex than the change the datas allow. In conclusion, what I fear about the debate about Australia Day is that if the push to change the date succeeds, it'll make it harder for the nation to face up to all the truths and implications of the full sweep of our history. Because changing the date will entrench the sorry thinking about fixing history that has made things worse at the heart, and meaning, at the heart of the meaning and significance of any new national day. And this, I would argue, is partly why the Indigenous lobby is so keen to change the date because I think this debate fundamentally is really about changing the conversation and controlling the political narrative about Indigenous policy in this country. Thank you. Jeremy, uh, thank you. Uh, Mark Kenny, writing in Fairfax Media this week, observed, quote, a hole in the argument to move Australia Day from January 26 has been the absence of a logical alternative or any consensus for same. Is that right? Well, our final speaker is best placed to answer that question. Uh, a prominent columnist at the Sun Herald and the Sydney Morning Herald, a best-selling author, as well as um, a widely read uh, book writer of many military histories, among other things. He's also the chairman of the Australian Republican movement. Ladies and gentlemen, Peter Fitzsimons. Thank you. Okay. So, thank you, Tom, and thank you all for that very, very tepid welcome. <laughs> i try to warm you up as we go along. I, uh, I want to begin by saying I am, you are, we are Australian. And it's a wonderful country to be in. And uh, I, like so many Australians, have celebrated Australia Day for many years without ever really thinking what was at the absolute core of it. I have long loved the line from John Howard, I think in 1987, when he went up against Bob Hawke. He lost that night in 1987, and in his concession speech, he said, uh, one of the things I love about Australia, I may have lost tonight, he said, but I've always cherished the fact that in Australia, the things that unite us are greater than the things that divide us. And I think that is a great truism 
of Australian history, but the truth about Australia Day, it is being, it is dividing us more and more and more. Now this room, I gather, is filled with supporters and this panel is filled with supporters. I thought it was going to be three versus three, it turns out to be four <laughs> versus two. But this room will be filled with people that are absolutely for keeping Australia Day exactly where it is. But can you deny, can anybody deny that this issue is getting bigger and bigger and bigger as the years go by? And for me, I am not a firebrand for change the day. I'm not in the caboose of the train saying change it, change it, change it. I started out as an interested bystander. I was somebody who observed the issue, pull into the, pull into the station. It was, a, it, was a, it was a carriage, a train that I was not going to catch. But as the years have gone by, I can't help but notice there are more and more people in those trains and I've got interested in it. And for me, it's like same-sex marriage. I don't feel it viscerally that we have to change the date because my background, my people weren't dispossessed. My, my people didn't have a dreadful experience because of what happened in, uh, on the 26th of January, nine, uh, 1788. So, but for me, it's very similar to same-sex marriage. Ben Fordham, my mate from 2GB, has made the point to me many times that back in 2010 when he first started Afternoon Drive, nobody talked about same-sex marriage. He didn't feel it particularly strongly. But as the years go by, the internal logic of the argument was so strong that more and more people got behind it and we all saw what happened, that wonderfully same-sex marriage went through. I think in the end that that will be what will happen with this issue. The internal logic of changing the day is so strong that more and more people will get involved and eventually it will change. Most of us uh, do, you know, most of us who celebrate Australia Day, as I say, it's a generic celebration of feeling privileged to be in this country. But when you think about the actual day, and it's only in recent years we focused on what it's actually about because that I think it was the essential poll media they said that well, was it 70 percent of Australians had no clue what it was about 62 percent of the people don't mind changing at all when I put on Twitter you know my views about it a bloke said I want to celebrate the day that Prince that uh, what uh, that uh, that uh, Governor Philip uh, that uh, James Cook, that Governor Philip, you know, planned, that came to Australia, came to Australia, I want to celebrate that day. And I said, well, big party at your place on the 18th of January, because that's the day that they came through the heads of Botany Bay. But what it lacks, what this lacks is a national day. You look at the Americans on the 4th of July. They're into it. They love the story. And the rocket's red glare, the bombs bursting in air, gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. The French for the 14 juillet, the 14th of July, and they stormed the Bastille, allons les enfants de la pitreau. Le jour de gloire est arrivé. They all know the story backwards and forwards. They tell it and they tell it and they tell it. In this country, when we look at the, the at Australia Day, as I say, 70% of our population don't know what it's about. And so you've got parallel, parallel those that do know about it. For the white folk, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a story, but they don't particularly know it. But even those that know it, quite seriously, at our Australia Day celebrations, how many of us talk about, and then he got that Union Jack, and he <laughs> jammed it into Sydney Cove. What about that? Do you know anybody that talks like that, that goes, that pumps their chest, and this was the beginning? of Australia, it wasn't the beginning of Australia, it was the beginning of a British colony in Australia. 
How do we change it? We come to, I stand before you as chair of the Australian Republic. <laughs> and, no, but seriously, I mean, you talked about, I think it was Anthony said, you know, if you come up with a better day, um, I've got it. Well, welcome to our sides, Anthony. Um, <laughs> you know, Australian Independence Day, the Australian Republic movement, we stand for one thing. We think that we can do better in the 21st century than find our head of state from a family of English aristocrats living in a palace in London. Hashtag for Christ's sake. <laughs> you know, how hard is it? And if we have that day, there is a, a strong indigenous angle about when the day that we become an Australian Republic, the indigenous angle is this. It will be a statement to the world and it'll be a statement to our own people that our history in this nation, this is not a nation of 118 years. This is not a nation of 250 years. Our people, our people, we have been here for 65,000 years. How's that? Thank you for that one <laughs> Thank you, my brother. Good to have you. Anyway, you get the, you get the guts of it. Um, that will be a wonderfully unifying day. And it's not that the referendum, the day that we pass, is going to be the day. It'll be a great celebratory day, but it'll bring to life all of those other stories of Australian identity. We can talk about the Eureka Stockade, when Peter Lawler stood on the stump and said, everybody raise your <coughs> right hand, we swear by each other to fight to defend our rights and our liberties. We can talk about federation, we can talk about when we first had a flag of our own. We can talk about the extraordinary occasion when the Prime Minister Scullin in 1927 came up with the amazing idea, instead of having a warm day for British aristocrat as our Governor General, call me crazy, let's have an Australian. What about that? We can talk about... No, I haven't finished yet. I've barely finished <laughs> It will bring to life all of these wonderfully unifying stories. And I think that is the future. We will move to uh, having Australian Independence Day or Australian Republic Day, and it'll embrace us all. At the end of the day, however, we are all Australians, and it's wonderful that we can have a sometimes fierce debate without throwing stones or grenades at each other. I'm proud to be a member of this country, a citizen of this country, and I know we all feel the same. Thank you.